Welcome to another episode of Combos Create Change. Uh, this week I have Easy back in town from Super Bowl vacation, and I have a very special guest that's very near and dear to my heart, the man I'm named after, the man that taught me, helped me shape into the man that I am today. My father, Mr. Scott Gordon, is a part of our panel today. I want to bring everybody aboard so we can have a good conversation. Uh, last week, I kind of delayed the conversation. I didn't want to get too much into the Kobe topic because I wanted to bring my panel in this week, but I wanted us to touch on the basis, and I wanted to really understand where you guys were and how you felt when you heard the tragic helicopter accident that involved Kobe, his daughter, and the other seven members that pl uh, crashed in a helicopter accident. I know for me, um, I was actually hosting a day party event um, I think as, I called you. Now. Yeah, you called me. Yeah, you called me, and it, it was crazy. I missed your call. No, 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 no. no. I was before, well, he was working. He was working. I was working. He's a working. I just heard that on the last. <laughs> oh yeah, he, that was when he was. Episode. <laughs> That's what your man put you out there. Said you were dying in Bop. They tried to put me out there, but no, it was really. Uh, it was. It was. It was shocking, man. The first time in my life where I was really, actually, truly shocked, and uh, took him back because I mean, honestly, in our culture, death is sadly um, common. It, it's so regular in our everyday lives. So to see someone that at my age and my generation, I really grew up on and really watched full time and seen a lot of his life and seen a lot of things that uh, he was doing, actually got a chance to see him play before he passed away. It, it was it was very, very uh, shocking for me. Like I, I had to announce it on the microphone. Like I had to cut the music off and I didn't want to do it, but I felt responsible that I had to let people know because it was instant like it was everything was going on in this world your news is your phone so and that's like the, the, the crazy channel. thing is um i was actually on the phone with p you know our other normal mm -hmm. co-host and um somebody texted me kobe died and i looked at the phone while i was driving p was like i was like let me call you right back he was like what's wrong <laughs> i was like let me call you right because i know how big of a kobe fan he is so i didn't want to just tell him that and not even check to make sure it was really yeah. fast because i was on the way right. to y'all crib at the time and uh i started calling everybody and the thing was I wasn't a huge Kobe fan um, basketball-wise. I was always a LeBron fan, so it was always like a, a battle within greatness between the two, who's better or whatnot, you know what I mean? But also, that's the main reason why I wanted to bring you on the show this week, you being a, a therapist and um, us going through this grief period with a superstar this big. I don't think we've ever experienced this in our culture. Not to take away from the greatness behind us with the legends that we do have behind us on our wall, but I, I think for someone to have a whole 20-year career, right. I think it was the biggest, longest uh, superstar that we had passed. And I think it affected so many people. It affected people from 40, 50 years old all the way down to 14, 15 years old, where you, in those situations you had just different fans of their music. But Kobe was international a superstar. And so I wanted to bring you on because at this point in time, like you said, grief and death is so common in our culture it was interesting to see so many men in pain and so many men going through that. Yeah. Um, and I think I called you right after. And I was like, yeah, Kobe died, bro. You was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I, I think for a lot of people, they kind of shed a little tear, too. Like, a lot of people that was tough guys and some Yo, of them. Yeah, it humbled us. Um, I had just gotten off the phone, um, and I saw it, like, flash off, you know, on the TV. So I went to you know, Google and see if anything was up there because nobody was reporting it. Right, right. Except TNZ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I said that too. Yeah. Yeah. I said that too. Yeah. So, but after a while, it just started coming in. And I just looked at, you know, your, 
mortality mm -hmm. was the word that really hit me. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I, again, I wasn't a Kobe's fan as far as him. No doubt he's in the top five to ten all time. No right. question. But I'm a Mike fan first, then Braun, right. and all of that. But what really, 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 you know, affected me was Kobe's arc. You know, Kobe's arc and what he was doing, like they said, with the second chapter. But what floored me, what floored me as a father was when I heard that his daughter was on the plane. I was done, man. Yeah, I was yeah. done for the rest of the day. I couldn't really cope with that, man, because, you know, there are five steps to grief, clinical steps to grief. You have denial, you have anger, you have bargaining, you have uh, uh, depression, and the last one is acceptance. So at first, the whole country was in denial. Right. We just Definitely. like, nah, <laughs> right. not Kobe, come That's on, true. man, you know, and, and it's not that. But what came out of it, because I'm not the type of dude that, you know, I have a good faith base, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I have a good relationship with God, but I'm not a person that won't question what's going on. True, true. And I had to find out because as a therapist, I tell my clients all the time, look for the silver lining. Mm -hmm. Every cloud has a silver lining. I'm glad you said that. So, I, I believe in that. I believe you know in the saying? silver lining. I believe in There's that. There's a lesson to be learned out of everything. So what is our lesson, man? So I was like, God, really, what, what you trying to tell us, man? What, what's going on right now? And what came to me is that for the first time in probably ever, you saw black men grieving openly. Right. Right. Openly sobbing. And simultaneously. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like you like like, like Doc real. Rivers, like Shaq. There's no more exhibit of black masculinity than Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, true. Seven, two, three yeah. hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Big fella. Yeah. Big right. fella. And big fella was sitting there bawling. Right. Yeah. Bawling on national TV. He couldn't even get his words. So oftentimes we can't express ourselves because a lot of things that we do in everyday life, the traumatic of everyday life as an African-American in this society, we take, it's just normal. Right. Like death is normal to us. Yeah. Right. So my silver lining for Kobe was, let's talk about the dialogue. Let's talk about the dialogue of grief, about mental health, about generational trauma. That was what I got from it. I think there's a lot of generational trauma. And I think a lot of times, we, we go through it independently, you know, when you deal with something within your family. But this is the most, the first time I ever saw it on a national scale yeah. where it affected so many different people. Because I remember a period about 10 years ago that we went through um, when we lost your mother, my grandmother. And then I think for that two years, like we was losing somebody every six months. You know, we lost uh, your goddaughter, uh, Latrice. Mm. Then we lost mama. Then we lost Latrice's mother. So like mm. within the two year uh, period we went through four different funerals and it was like and at that point in time I just became numb you know what I mean I think a lot of times we don't really understand or know how to express those emotions especially Absolutely. as me being the oldest grandchild when I lost my grandmother I felt like I had to be the the one that held it together I think a lot of times when we go through grief people even feel like they shouldn't cry and like, I feel like I didn't 
express that emotion of grief or pain at that time so i really let it sit in like damn like you're actually gone yeah. right and i think because if you look in society what's the only acceptable emotion i used to do when i first started uh being a clinician or therapist i used to do anger management classes uh for mandated so if you had a domestic violence charge you had to come to my class so we had to t speak about your emotions and I would ask the, the brothers and, you know, some hardcore brothers in there, you know what I'm saying? I would ask them, what is the only acceptable uh, emotion that we as men, but black men in particular, what is that emotion that, they, that, that we can show? And that's anger. Yeah. We can show anger. Quick. We can show anger. It's acceptable, you know? You can be a boxer, you can be a football player, get that, you know? Get that aggression out. Knock the motherfuckers out, you right. know what I'm saying? We can show that. But if somebody comes to you and say, yo, man, I, I'm, I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling lonely. You're no, like, that's yo, soft. Man, yeah. <laughs> but you see, that, that's, that's what the problem is, man, is when we get into, and that's another topic about toxic masculinity. That's a good one. You know what I'm saying? When we talk about it, that we can express our feelings. We have to be able to do that. And it's taken me a while. I'm 55 years old. And it's taken me a while to be able to, you know, Express that, express that I can cry. Right. And it doesn't because I'm comfortable in my manhood. Right. I'm right, comfortable right, with right. who and it takes you a while to get that because I was guilty of it as a father. You right. know, and I've apologized several times to my sons, you know, growing up as I saw the light, you feel me? On yo, don't cry, get up, get up, you soft, you punk, stop being a girl. Right. Which is derogatory to females. Right. You right. feel me? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with showing your emotion? What's wrong with, you know, being sensitive? You I think I'm, I'm going through that battle actually right now with my son. He's just turned 10 and... I think I thought he turned 10 to what, tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. Okay. Happy birthday. Uh, Happy birthday, Remember Kai. I was on the phone with you and I was like, yeah. Talk, oh, yeah, I was talking okay, to his okay, son. Okay, yeah. okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> shout out to Kai. And, and yeah, even, and even Kai. with that, like, I'm... Because like I said, I told bro, like, they don't make a book on how to be a father like on how to really set yourself I'm up writing for, one now <laughs> hey, man, I, hey, put it I, I really agree like put it out because honestly I would say a black father and not to go against any other race but it's, it's, a, it's way different for us yeah because I'm trying to teach my son about his culture about the things that I'm like you don't just wake up and learn these things you gotta you gotta find it out you gotta learn it and and trying to teach him how to be, you know, a man, a stand-up guy, and not mm -hmm. cry, and you know, go through your battles, go through your journeys. But it's different because, just like you said, it is kind of wrong to kind of push that side out of him. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because it's been years since I really, truly cried, man. Like, and it's deep because I haven't suffered those close, close losses mm -hmm. like that. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Even with the Kobe situation, like my eyes started getting watered, but it was like, nah, I'm gonna suck this up. Like, yeah. can't cry right now. Like, and it is, right. it, it's Why? real. Man. But see, that, that's what it is. I was, you know, I, I deal with a lot of adolescents. I deal with, you know, the preteens, the teenagers, the young adults. And one of the documentaries that I show all my male clients is called The Mask You Live In. And if you mm. ever get a chance, it's on Netflix. I'm Check it out. out. I'm checking Mask it out. Mask You Live In. And one of the things at the beginning, the first five minutes is so powerful. The phrase that they talk about is that the most detrimental thing that a father could say to his son is be a man. Mm. What is that? What is that? That's basically, you know, man up, be a man, all of that, because that always deals with aggression. That always deals with yeah. something that you can't be. 
You know, I always give the example that if you had a child on the playground, five-year-old child, they fall down and they scrape their leg, mm -hmm. what do you do? And often I hear, well, is it a girl or a boy? Does it make a difference? But it does in our society. It does. Say, it, does, does in our society. society. it definitely does. It does in our, does society, in our society because you're going to go and nurture the girl. Nurture. True. You know, come here, baby. Come yeah. here, daddy's it's girl. Okay. You it's know, okay. And y'all talked about that last week of being a dad's girl. Right. And it's crazy that my son, you know, I called him, but, but that's a difference. You know, that's another conversation. But to my son, what are we going to, man, get up, man. You all right? You right. all right? You know, right. Man, stop, being, right. stop being soft, man. Instead of embrace, he's five years old, embrace him and say, hey, you, I'm here to protect you as well. Right. But we fear, that everything we do out of fear always comes back to us. You know, I ra you raise your sons out of fear of them being like a girl, so being homosexual. Yeah. Okay, if they are, they are, you still gotta love them. Or being soft or being dominated in this society because softness means that you pray. When I grew up in the Bronx, you couldn't be soft because you became prey. Right. Oh, yeah. And you don't want to be prey out in these streets, man. Yeah. So right. you, 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 right. you, you, you're, you're fearful for the survivability of your sons, so you parent from fear instead of love. Right. But some people parent part-time because, to be honest, like, my brother, my older brother was a bigger father figure to me than, than my dad was. So I had to learn the tough love because he, didn't, he wasn't trying to be a father. He was trying to be a brother. So he was like, you know, nah, we ain't, we ain't having none of that. If you got a problem, we're going to take care of it. Like, mm -hmm. growing up in Mobile and growing up in Alabama, it was like that. Like, you mm -hmm. can't be prey out here. You can't yeah. be soft. You can't, be, nah. you, can't, you can't sit out here and allow someone to punk you, say what they want to say about nah, you. Or, nah, 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 like, nah. it was just those things, and it, was, it right. was different. But I'm like, man, my son is in a whole different era. Like, this yeah. is a whole different time. You can get bullied on social media, and it, they really take it to their soul. Right. You get what I'm saying? They take it to their heart. When sticks and stones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't exactly. used to fuck with you. But no, now no. these exactly. days, niggas are sensitive by liking a comment. But I think um, it's prevalent because, like you said, your situation is different from my situation. Right. And I didn't realize how important it was, the relationship I have with my father, um, until I got a lot older and I realized a lot of people didn't have that relationship. You know what I mean? And to be able to have that comfort. And I think... Um, our relationship switched as I got to about preteen, 13, 14 years old, where we got to those conversations where you can have those open conversations where you don't feel like you have to hide something right. from your parent. Right. I think a lot of times parents act like kids don't go through shit. And when you have that conversation, I remember like 10th grade, we was talking about sex and me smoking weed. And at that point in time, I feel like that was my life change. Like I was like, let me open it up. Yeah. Like, shit, well, y'all yeah. know now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, shit, all right, well, since we talking about this shit, yeah. well, go give me some condoms then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These like, conversations need to, be, need to be addressed and need to be comfortable. Right. Know? Like, it need to be comfortable between father and son, but our, our society, man, is like, I'm just trying to figure out what is the way to get us to that point where and it's a comfort. I think uh, the young lady, Jazzy, that was on last week, she mm -hmm. had made a comment about we parent either the polar opposite or the exact same that we would parent depending on our experience. True. And I had to parent the opposite. You know, my pops wasn't in the house, you feel me? Um, my grandfather did as good as he could, but you know, I had to, and the thing that I always strive for as a father is to be present. 
me and his his mom, you know, divorced when he was eight, nine years old. Right. You know, but it was my life mission. See, and shout out to his moms, man, because she knew the importance of her sons being raised by a man. Right. So unlike many women, she gave me, I was the 80, you know, you always have the 80, 20 parent. Right. Where mom usually has 80% of the, the child, 80% of the right. time and pop, but it was switched. She sent my sons to me, man. Right. Yeah. She sent my sons to me. So I had to do it all. You mm -hmm. feel me? But that gave me a perspective of my with my relationship and how important it is to to me for them. Cause I always thought that, but in hindsight, you know, I looked at it and said, well, you know what? Dads need their, you know, sons need their dads more than girls need their father. Absolutely not. Because uh, now right. having right. daughters. Right. Because with the girl dad, I never made a post of, excuse me, being a girl dad. Because I'm a dad dad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For real. So a guy I dad even, and a girl I dad. Even, he, he, he he asked me about, yeah. I'm like, yo, B, so how you feel if, you know, I made the post, you know? He's like, I don't care, you know? <laughs> you are. And it was yeah. funny because my youngest daughter, shout out Hallie and Kelly, my babies, and my, my, his younger brother, Malik. But my younger daughter said, Dad, I feel you were a better girl dad than a boy dad. And I mm. said, you know what? I think I evolved as a dad. I right. think you were at a different place in yeah. your life because yeah. your kids are so separate. Like you had, like me and Malik, you were 23 when you had me, 24, 25 when you had Malik. And then you were what, third, like almost 40, no, no, 37, 38 when you had Kelly. Mm. And you know what I'm saying? So you evolved as a person mm -hmm. into a different space. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially because I grew up on Biggie, Jay-Z, Mary J. Blige, right. where yeah. you got them listening to Baby Einstein and they go exactly. into private schools and their best friends are Ludacris' daughter and Will <laughs> Packer's daughter. And I, they're at the fucking, what's the shit that spin at the top? Uh, <laughs> um, the uh, West, no, not the Western, what's the restaurant downtown? That's been at the top. Um, yeah, I know he's talking about. I can't they just going to right dinners, now. and they, they, it's like regular birthday dinners. They, they backstage at the Justin Bieber concert. Like I didn't grow up like that. Nah, you know what I'm saying? It's a whole different era, and yeah. it's a whole different maturity. Uh, he matured up in a different way. Definitely, you had a whole ten years of parenting. First off, yeah. And so I think a yeah. lot of times when you went through that, you used to kind of be like, "Damn, I wasn't as uh, comforting to you and Malik." And but I appreciated it. I mean, there was some times where you were really tough on me. <laughs> I mean. Bro, I remember one time, y'all, this is the funniest story ever. <laughs> so I, I cursed my mom. No, I got like, I was, I was in ninth grade, right? I was failing <laughs> like six out of seven classes. Mind you, before ninth grade, I never made a B in my life. And like, yo, his name is Smart, so he right. was a I'm like, I'm, like a challenge, I'm in a challenge so, program, I'm in Magnet, I'm at Westlake, right? I'm failing six out of seven classes. And I got my little braids going together. They like, you need to cut your hair. My mom, my mom's 4'11", first off, right? <laughs> and she stays on Fairman Road in, yeah. in Southwest Atlanta, Camden Road, a little bit in that area. He stays in Lithonia. She's like, you, you and your brother need to cut your hair. I'm like, man, I ain't cutting my hair over no grades. Like, y'all tripping. I got my little braids going together. Bruh, she called this dude. <laughs> he drove all the way to the other side of town in like 20 minutes from Brown's Mill. He gets there. I'm thinking this is my partner, like this is my yeah. dog. Like we, yeah. we, we, he gonna ball. feel me, right? Yeah. Like pop, come on now, I'm not coming. This nigga grabbed me by my throat, <laughs> slammed me through the closet in the barbershop, 
threw me in the chair and just gave me a ying, ying, ying. Oh, about, straight over a prison cut. <laughs> I ain't had no hairline. <laughs> I ain't have nothing. And I was just like, oh, shit. Like, this is real. real. And yeah. then my little brother sitting there, and he tough too. He like, shit, I'm with my brother. I'm with whatever. We get the same treatment. So we in here looking like we just been through some, we, all our hair done fell out type situation. But in that moment, I understood like, damn. Like, this dude ain't playing, you know right. what I mean? Like, this, this is a real, but it was a, 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 a moment in disrespecting your mother. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that yeah. was the lesson for me. I was like, because even the barber's like, bro, your dad come, come in here. He not playing with you, dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I can tell in his voice when he get here. I'm thinking, like, Pop's going, like, we, we've had an open relationship. We can talk about stuff. We can communicate. Like, he can feel where I'm coming from a lot right. of times. Because a lot of times, even when I went through a lot of the street stuff, I was trying to engage in. He had already experienced it, so it was like, all right. Helped I, you out a lot. Yeah. Right, but in that moment, it wasn't no, it wasn't no talking. Man, it was crazy <laughs> wasn't no because my man Flip had just opened up a new barbershop. <laughs> we was right there by the big oop store on Camelton Road. So yeah. I called him up because I didn't want to blow up his spot. Like, yo, B, you know, um, you got a lot of customers because I'm getting ready to get really rah-rah up in here. He's like, no, you do what you have to do. You come in here because I know how you are. Because the thing, again, me and their moms, Work, weren't together, there was no, you know, I was, I was remarried, you feel me? Right. But the thing about it is that I'm going to teach them respect of their queen. Regardless. Their queen. Regardless. Out of, psh, whatever you say, man, you're right. not going to disrespect your mom. Not while I have, you know, air in my lungs, you know what I'm saying? So that was a point where I probably could have handled it differently, but they had to see. They had to see. That's they had to see the then I got my ass whooped after that when I got home. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> Kinti, like, yo, I didn't play because that's your mom's. Right, right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Whatever the things you're going to respect, the woman that gave you respect. Life. You yeah. feel me? They gave you life, excuse me. So, you know, it was things like that that, you know, we don't have a blueprint, like you said, as parents. But one thing that I, I, I think that allows me to be a better parent as I learn from my mistakes. Right. You feel me? Right. I learned, like he was talking about, me and my sons today, put on Jay-Z's blueprint. We will rhyme from the first verse to the last right. verse, every bar. Right. Me and my sons. You know, so, but my daughters were different, you know. I right. had to see, like, nah, because, you know, being a school teacher, I was a school teacher for 20 years, and when I was on car duty, it was kind of embarrassing that you got kids coming to the car who on a kindergarten, first grade reading level, but the words that's coming out their dad's car, and they all bugging, ah, oh, bitch, this, yeah, yeah, you know. True. Oh, you know true. all of that. True. So I was like, nah, that's not even cool, man. But I you think know? a lot of time our culture encourages that yeah, like you, you'll see a lot of the parents that put the videos up of them singing a song or knowing all the lyrics or dancing and stuff like that like we don't praise education enough in our culture right. and that's one of the things I always appreciated was that balance you know what I mean like and I think that's the biggest tool that I have that allows me to walk the lines that I walk right now where one moment I could be at an NAACP meeting then the next moment I could be in the bluff with a whole bunch right. of gang banging ass right. niggas and you know what I'm saying because I'm still myself in every situation but at the same time, I was educated so I could hold an educated conversation right. about something of substance. But at the same time, my grandmother's still staying in the projects. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, niggas was like, no, you're, you really stay in the project. Like, you come from the streets for real, for real. And I think that element is still him. You know what I mean? At mm -hmm. the end of the day, that was who he is. And that's what helped me to shape me as a person. Whereas it was a comfort zone where you didn't have to 
put yourself in a box. Right. You couldn't box me in. You can't tell me how I have to act. Like, you can't tell me, oh, you got to be an activist. You got to act this way. Mm-hmm. No, my nigga. I'm going to sit my Hennessy as I record Convos right. Create Change, <laughs> and I'm going to be myself at all times. He gave you free room to be the individual that you decided yeah. to be. I think, that's who he is. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I think that, a lot of times we try to force us into our children. You know what I'm saying? We want them to be as much of like us as they possibly can, but they are their own person. Yeah. It, it, it was weird to me because just seeing my son get older, it was like, man, like night and day. Like He's completely his own person, but I have to help guide him down the right path of life that can help construct him into the better man that he can be. Like real talk, man, I don't even know if he knows that. Eighth grade prom. Now, this motherfucker got a limo, eighth grade prom. So I'm like, fuck we gonna do for uh, uh, high school, a helicopter? <laughs> me, but, you know, uh, Young Book. So I'm sitting yeah, down there. Yeah, me, yeah, Book. Yeah, yeah, Book was there, shout there. out to my dog, So, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm popped to the whole, like his whole crew, I'm popped. You know, Mr. G pop, this, that, right. and the other thing. That's just who I am. Yeah, but I sat back all them. and watched him at the, you know, at the prom, his mannerisms, his cool swag. And I got teary-eyed, man, because I was like, yo, yeah. that's my man right there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's my, you know, I was proud of that. And that's what gives me joy. I hit him the other day because Scotty talks about legacy all the time. Legacy all the time. And I told him, you, your brother, and your sisters, that's my legacy. True. He's like, yo, Pop, you know, you was a teacher to hundreds. You, you touch families with your therapy and things like that. But my job, because all of that wouldn't be nothing. I couldn't, how can I counsel somebody on taking care of their family if I don't take care of mine? You feel right. me? Right. I got to lead by example. But my greatest legacy are on my seeds because if they're good people, I feel successful. I feel that I've done not the degrees that I have, you know, none of that. Not the cars that I drive, not the house, you know, but being a parent because they didn't ask to be here. Right. You know what I mean? And the thing about it is we didn't have a perfect situation. But what we did is that, and in both of mine, I don't have any BMs, I have ex-wives because I valued them that much that I, that I married them. Respect. But both of my ex-wives understand that we put all our difference aside to raise our children. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, my daughter's mom, she'll work my nerves all the time. But if my daughter's in the car, I'm not saying nothing foul about her. Never. You know, because, no, you, yeah. I'm not doing that. Never. You know what I'm saying? Never. Never did. Just like their mom can call me today. If she's in need of something, I'm going to try to help her out because if their mother's fucked up, then they're going to be fucked up. And I can true. never let my sons be fucked up Very like that. True. I think that was one of the moments that I realized, like, how strong my family bond is. Was the moment uh, my great-grandmother died, Mama, which is my mom's grandmother, mm-hmm. and my dad spoke at the funeral. <laughs> wow. You know what I'm saying? I was like... That's deep. You know what I mean? Like they yeah, that respected. was an honor. That was a crazy but, honor that they respected me enough. That's not my blood. My mama was my grandmother too. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. She looked out for me and, and my family, things like that. So it was just love. Cause I, I, one thing that I try to teach my children, that I teach my clients, is integrity. Right. And my definition is uh, integrity is. Well, it's not mine. I probably stole it from somebody. But it's doing the right thing when nobody's watching. Yeah. All right. Do the right thing when nobody's watching. And that's what goes into, like, building a legacy. You know what I mean? For me, I think 
like when we get back to talking about grief and pain and death, like I feel like when you go out, you go out like Kobe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you go out where the yeah. whole world feels hurt about you, about losing you. You go out like Nipsey where the whole city feels a pain because you had such an impact on those lives. And that's what I've been saying. Like I've seen death so much in my life that I'm numb to it, but I think about it all the time. And I think about the impact that I want to have on this world so that whenever my time comes, even if it's tomorrow, God forbid, a tragic situation, but even if it happens, I built something that can, the smart foundation can go on can beside. On, yeah. Right. It's like he was working towards something. He stood for something. You understand that I wasn't just, I feel like you either die a regular nigga or you die a legend. You know what I mean? And I think you have to work towards your legacy that lives on after you. And so I always wanted to have something that, and it really, if we go back on it, like the whole smart foundation conversation starts back from you about five years ago. It was uh, your 50th birthday. And um, and I, I was remember. and I was like um, he used to have a summer camp called Mdogo Kondo, which was uh, meant young warriors in Swahili. It was an all like boys that. summer camp. We used to do math, science, workout, all this stuff. And I was like, damn, we need stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And our relationship, um, I'm one of those people that you can't really challenge to do something. I, I love a challenge. Right. And at that point, he's like, man, I'm, I'm getting old. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like he was turning 50 at the time. He was like, why don't you start something like that? And at the same time. That's when I birthed the Smart Foundation. You know what I'm saying? That's when I was like, how do I take my fuck-ups and how do I put that in our culture? Right. And I looked at, like, like I said, I was that smart kid. You know what I'm saying? But that wasn't the cool thing to do. That's why I started the slogan, smart is a new cool. Agree. And I was just like, why don't we embrace intelligence enough? If we, if we know that's the key to get out of our situations, why do we put so much of the dumb, ignorant shit in the forefront of our culture. Absolutely. Right. And so from there, it was like, I'm going to brand intelligence to our culture. I'm going to make the smart foundation. Shit, I damn near took that shit on as my last name. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's my alias. Scott, for y'all that don't know, Scotty Smart is not my real name. No. <laughs> uh, I am. Well, I, I had to look at that shit like, yo, bro, what you doing, man? You I'm know. a junior. <laughs> this is, is I'm named after here? him. Right. His last name is Gordon. Now, my last name is Gordon. I'm named after him. But I think about the legacy that I want, and, and I, I strive for that every day, the impact that I want. Like, I know this week I'm going to talk at, like, three high schools. See, but do you see the consistency of a real parent that was there that helped you become who you are today and more what you're going to be in the future? You get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, my man, the word that you said is so powerful, become. I didn't make him. I let him become who he is. Right. He's got some characteristics that are mine that are not but he's his own man. And you gotta right. allow people to be who they are, not a microcosm. I'm very proud of this kid. Is he taking the roads that I would want him to take? Nah, right. I know he can be, you know, I'm halfway through my doctorate, you know. I had to right. stop and if do you something. tell me to go back to school one more time. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it yeah. really told me the knowledge of millennials and what's more important to you. As you, you and I talked to him about that, and that's why I accepted who he was. Because right. you know, mom, mom, becoming me. That motherfucker need a job. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's out here changing I've the been world. That. But you know, and I said, you know, but you gotta chill because he's on a different trajectory. You know what right. I mean? He wants to. Y'all are more. We work to get a job to pay our family, I mean, to support our family to do this. We ain't care if we liked it, you feel right. me? We didn't really care, especially growing up, if it made a difference. Right. 
Right. Fuck what you talking about. Right. It paid the bill. Right. My kids is eating. That was our thing. Y'all different. Y'all cut different. You feel me? Y'all want, if your job is not fulfilling to y'all, if y'all don't feel a purpose to True. it, I'm out. Y'all leave it. Y'all be leaving like, I'm like, That's damn, y'all no, just, you know. That is no lie, man. I'm going to be honest with you. Before I got into this entertainment side, mm-hmm. mom was on the same thing. You got to get a job. Mm-hmm. You got to do something to get some income. I said, mom, I found a passion. I found something that I love to do regardless. Wake, sleep, or tired, regardless. I would love to do this. Mm-hmm as long as I can do it mm-hmm. because I get a true joy from it mm-hmm. going to work and doing that I could be a great worker I can work hard yeah, at right. any job at any establishment but then in the back of my mind I sit there like I'm working for somebody that I can be beyond this I feel like Absolutely. I have a different vision I have a, a entrepreneurial drive about me like and no one's seen it I feel like my mom and my parents were like man I, because it's so it's so systematic to tell it's like we're programmed for a certain thing like school mm-hmm. programs you to be an employee, you know what I mean? Like, and I went through that period where I sold cars for four or five years. I remember. And <laughs> I made a great amount of money doing mm-hmm. it, but at the same time, I was there 50, 60 hours a week. You know what I'm saying? I never had a Saturday off. Like, I'm a kid that grew up at the park. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So for me not to be able to go and see my cousins play, to go see and support my people that coach and see their, right. their teams that bothered me like I wasn't happy even though I was financially set you know right. what I'm saying paying bills right I'm good <laughs> financially I'm making five grand a week I mm-hmm. uh, five grand a month excuse me I didn't five grand a week that's a great well you great that's made but <laughs> and we're getting there but I had to really sit back and I had to go through a period of who I am you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. especially coming into my my own as a activist and an entrepreneur and understand that this lane is different for me, right. you know what I'm saying? And this lane is one where you have to figure out the basics of entrepreneurship. You have to figure out a product. You, have to, you know what I'm saying? The basics of business. And I feel like my whole thing is to teach our next generation to explore business options more mm-hmm. because everything's a business. So now when I go and talk to a school or an idea like that, I want to explore their dreams. I want to figure right. out, I want to give them those tools because we have a lot of undeveloped talent. We have a lot of kids who have a lot of potential who don't have guidance in that field. You know what I'm saying? Like the other day, P showed me his son wants to be a, a, a newscaster. Yeah, he do. And he was, he's like, what, seven, eight years old? Yeah. And, he, and as it snowed, he reported he the reported. news. That's he's dope. on it. He, he out there like, That's dope. I'm reporting live. You know what I'm saying? He got but, the mannerisms and everything. And, the, the and one of the, like the conversations that always stuck with me from my grandmother was that, oh, you should be on, on TV or you should be speaking. And I never thought about it like that. You know what I'm saying? So now when I'm embracing Convos Create Change, when I'm em- embracing the Justice Media Network, when I'm em- I had to come out of my shell as an introvert to say, you know what, maybe I can be comfortable in front of a camera. Maybe I can be talking about mm-hmm. something knowledgeable, but I have to know what I'm talking about and feel comfort in that lane. Right. And so I think a lot of times we don't have structure to shape our thought process or help us develop into who we can be we don't have a plan of action and that's the whole thing with me it's like all right you want to be whatever you want to be and I'm never going to try to take away from your from your idea I'm never going to try to take away from your dream but do you understand the work ethic and that's the biggest thing I took away from the Kobe Bryant situation or that mama mentality it's like all right cool if you want to be the greatest basketball player you can and you think that's cool go right ahead Fine, but how much work are you willing to put yeah, in yeah. to get to that point? Exactly. Yeah. Scotty was a great eight-year-old basketball player. 
great because I put a basketball and a baseball in his hands when he was like two. Right. You know what I'm saying? So he made the AAU team, whatever. So he was head and shoulders above his peers. However, as they started to mature, he didn't work on his game enough. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like um, vertically challenged as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only five seven. I'm not. I'm not but gifted in what the I height told department. Them is that, yo, <laughs> while you sitting here playing a game or yeah. watching TV, yeah. them people that's hungry is working on that left hand, bro. Right, that's true. They're working right. on that that's left true. hand. So that's what the mamba mentality is. It's right. whatever you want to do. Do it to the fullest. 101%. If I'm going to be the therapist, I'm going to be the best therapist. And my goal, and I'm saying out to everybody out there, is to eradicate the stigma of mental health in the African-American community. That's my life goal for right now. So Because we, we kind of mystify this mental health thing. It's conversations, brother. It's the conversations that we're having right now right. Right. that you can trust and allow uh, people to get things that they would never, you know, normally get off their chest. They can speak about that right. because that's what we are. We are so programmed as African-Americans to tolerate things that are traumatic. One of the greatest scenes in, in one of the greatest movies ever, Boys in the Hood, hey, you want to see a dead body? Well, I picked another scene. I picked the scene when the father walked up to the billboard, and we talked about that on one Gentrification episode. Gentrification joint? I, yes, sir. I, I, said, I, said, I said that really resonated back. Yeah, yeah. Furious, but think about that scene when they go and they little, the little uh, doughboys and all of them, you want to see a dead body, and there's somebody shot on the street, and it's like, eh, okay. Yeah. And it's, That's every day. It's yeah. like every, like even today, like you wake up on Instagram, and you don't, if you happen to see somebody you don't know on your timeline, there's either one or two things. Either it's their birthday yep. or they just died. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's become the norm to us to have a, a grief period where we don't, we're just numb to it at this point. And like I said a couple episodes ago, it's like we got to the point where it doesn't, if it doesn't affect us, we don't care. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the, the Kobe Bryant situation was so prevalent because so many people felt pain at the same time. And so many people, it affected so many people where a lot of times, you know, when my grandmother passed, it was just on me. So somebody else didn't feel my same pain Mm -hmm. as me. And I think when we talk about grief, we don't express our emotions. We don't know where to go to. We don't know who to talk to. Like, I was surprised that how many people relied uh, or actually replied for therapy when I put you, you know, started making those posts. And that's the whole thing is I'm trying to open up those opportunities for people to be in those better situations. Yeah, because that's the thing about it. We have that old paradigm of therapy where we have a white lady with a bun and some glasses, and she got a yellow pad and she's writing down, and you're sitting on the couch. That's not what it is, man. My form of therapy is more experiential. I go out in the community, I go, I go hiking with my clients at times just to get out, be in the wilderness, and express your thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Mental exercise. Yeah, mental exercise. I was just, I can't even really get into it. But I was at a place where they do uh, massages. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I hope this doesn't air before um, Valentine's Day. No, I won't. It's next Monday. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, well, Saturday. Oh, we do Saturday. Okay, so. Valentine's Day. And... I was talking to lady, black-owned business, so I went in there really just to get my wife, you know, a massage, you know what I mean, for, for Valentine's Day, but I ended up signing up, you know, so she could have monthly because it was a sister there. But it's also self-care. That's one of the things that we have to do is self-care. 
We don't true. take right. care of ourselves. That is true. We don't do, you know, or if we do, it doesn't, it's an excess that's def- detrimental to us. But those are the things that I want to bring awareness to the African-American and all communities is that Somebody we got to take care of ourselves. Too. They was like, what you doing so much for the community, how do you take care of yourself? Yeah. And I was just like, shit, I don't really know about self-care like i might no you got to yo i'm i'm a work hard <laughs> I, play I, hard i, 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 I work hard but we have a lot of wife <laughs> shout out to my wife angel she knows that you know it might be a three four month grind for me but at the end of that rainbow we going on a trip somewhere we got on somebody's island right you know doing something because we work so lately. yeah and, and, and I, those are the fruits of my labor man right yeah, you know right. what i'm saying and i feel that i feel that in order to de-escalate from, yo, it, it's traumatic just being a black man in America, bro. It really is. That, it, That's we traumatic want, enough. You know, black man and a woman, I'm not even going to separate. Yeah. But it's a, it's a daily trauma that you can't, you can't drive down the street and see some lights, and then there's a tension if those blue lights come on. You feel me? Your heart Or if you at Lennox yeah. or Fitz Mall and you go into a shop, you know you got racks of bands. Yeah. You feel me? But they looking at you like you don't deserve. Mm-hmm. So, I remember when I was working on my master's to become a counselor, I had one of my um, professors, it was profound. She said, you work so hard, and I know your shoulders are broad, but you don't have to carry every black man's you know, experience on you. And I did that because I wanted to be the black man when you put a camera in front of my face that I can articulate my words right my words and I'm like y'all Sean you know I, I don't even know what happened though you know what I mean dog you know that that's embarrassing it's to funny me. you said that because one year that Alabama won a championship they put they put the most <laughs> the lady no, no Alabama football and no he, but I think it was that yeah, it was the, a lady, the lady yeah, yeah. man uh, I, I said that. who picked him to talk yeah like yeah he, it was so bad it was just like man grammar yeah. words the, the amount of words he could really use, the way he had to slow himself down and try to speak right, but it, it still wouldn't come out right. I don't know, if, is mental health a, is it diagnosed? Is it something that's hereditary? Is it? It's because, all of that. Is, and, I, and I feel like it's everywhere because even in like the women and dancers, like I feel like even strippers, I feel like that's like a, a close to a mental health issue too. <laughs> because it's a route that they're taking that I'm they're bringing some so, dancers on next week, by the way. Listen. And you know, I was just working in the strip club the other night and yeah. pinups. Like and, and, and I, I listened to their conversations and I'm like, are y'all really mentally dead? <laughs> like I could not I mean, but I think you have to learn how to cope with what you're going through to be successful in that well, point. So you have to try to excuse your thought process to the negativity that comes from the light that you're in to accept what you're doing. Well see yeah. that, that that that's a tra- traumatic experience because when you have a by, that's a byproduct of not having self-love. Right. Because if you love yourself and nothing against how you get your paper, I'm not going to say anything against anybody in any industry, but love yourself, love who you are. And once you do that, then there are certain things that I'm not going to do. But if you don't have that self-love, there's many of my clients that I ask after, you know, do you really love yourself? I think that's the biggest thing. And they pause should never pause. You should they know should that. Never you pause. should know that. But you know, you're doing things. You know, you're, you're saying things. You're, you're showing things that, that, so that's what I want to instill in the people that I work with. First of all, is love yourself. Unconditional. Um, it's called USA. And that's called un- unconditional self-acceptance. I like so that. USA. You, <laughs> I like that. You might, if you, you, you know, you might not be that patriotic, but USA is a gift. 
unconditional self-acceptance. I gotta love me. See, I think people mix that up with being selfish. No. I think it's being selfless. And I said that too. And I tell people all the time, there's like, you know, or some people confuse that with being narcissist. Yeah. And, but I feel like you have to be selfless to love what you love what you like more than anything else. Like if you're different, you have to embrace your differences and not try to fit in. Yeah. I think in this culture right now, the climate is to be accepted, to mm -hmm. be liked, to be, you know, popping up or to be something that everybody else wants you to be. Right. And a lot of times it's hard to go against the grain when you like different things. Like if you like jazz music or if you like rock and roll, embrace that about yourself. If you like to read more, then, you know what I'm saying, embrace those different things about yourself to where you are considered an individual and em embrace your differences and embrace your uniqueness and your individuality because a lot of people don't do that. And a lot of times they're so common. Like you start seeing so many duplicates. It's like, it's the same shit same every thing. time. Same thing. I got a crazy story about that because... I'm so proud of my two daughters because they went to Decatur High School. They grew up in, you know, so if you listen to them, they sound like, and I hate that term, oh, you sound like a white girl. Why? Because you speak properly, so you sound like a yeah. white girl. I but, sound educated. I, yeah, you yeah, sound educated. Yeah, I agree. But one of the things that growing up, my greatest group, guess who it was? Earth, Wind, and Fire? No. The Beatles. Oh. the Beatles. I, I love the Beatles. But I, couldn't. I ain't never heard you listen to the Beatles ever. Because I was scared. Oh, okay. I was scared I'm that, yo, if I'm not listening to Ron, if I'm not listening to, you know, Curtis Blow and things like that, that's what I got to listen to because I live in the Bronx. And if I don't do that, then I might be considered different. And different is soft in the hood. It's lame. Yeah. It's My lame. daughters listen to whatever they want to listen to and they don't care. It's what they want, and I'm proud of them for that. For having I'm that self-love, they know what they want. have that self-love and acceptance. And I know they go, to go through ridicule and things like that, but they're comfortable in their own skin. I True. think that's, that's, especially with women, I think that's really, really prevalent because a lot of times you hear that, well, we're doing this because that's what the guys like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or guys are like, well, we're doing that because this is what the women, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I think a lot of times we're not doing what makes us comfortable or what makes us ourselves and we're not accepting who we are as our, as our individual Absolutely. self. So Absolutely. I think that's a big thing. Uh, Dave, what we looking like over there? Do I need to wrap this shit up? <laughs> <laughs> and make sure y'all wrap it up regardless. Five more? Alright. Well, my whole thing is like it's knowledge of self. Yeah, because it's good shit so we can chop it up and we can cut some of it out of it. But um, um, I just I'm, I'm honored, you know what I'm saying, to, to have a father within myself and that I can lean on and have those conversations and have those well he long with it sometimes so it'd be like I call him for about five minutes to turn to an hour conversation and he think he Dr. Phil so then I gotta hear about how I wasn't shit or how my mindset wasn't right and back right. then but I appreciate the criticism or also the, the the part where how I'm growing within the community as a leader he plays devil's advocate a lot of times right. you know what I'm saying and he challenges me to to question a lot of the things that are going to happen and now I'm thinking about, okay, I can't take on this situation. I got, how would I respond to this situation? Because a lot of times I'm a reactive being. I can right. deal with shit when the storm, I can stand in the storm all the time. But now I'm learning to plan ahead. Now I'm harder on y'all about yeah. how we get a, a, in front of a situation instead of waiting until The situation month. comes. Right. And a lot of times that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to my dog, Derek Grace, who just texted me, said he in town. And so I'm going to go link with him and get some content. But... He's one of those people that says a lot of black people are reactionary and not 
uh, proactive in their thinking process. Well, we know this shit is coming. Yeah. We know a lot of our hardships are in front of us. We know Valentine's Day is Friday, but we ain't even goddamn got a gift or card or nothing. Ooh, first of all, <laughs> I ain't getting you shit because I feel like Valentine's Day Bruh. should be for two people. Bruh. For two people. It should be, it ain't for two. Bruh. First of all, somebody told me people? about, somebody said it's a man's Valentine's Day. Okay, it's, it's a leap year. Yeah, no, no, they said it's the actual man's Valentine's Day. You can look wow. it up. It's called Sweetie's Day or something. Oh. Somebody from DC Sweetheart told me about Day? this shit. I don't That's know. That's bullshit. First dude, of all, dude, you're not gonna win that battle, bro. Dude, trust me. You married this 50, exactly. Different three times. It's three times. I'm getting this shit right. Shout out to my baby Angel. I'm getting it right this time. <laughs> third time is wrong. Listen, because you learn just as a father, just as a husband in any relationship, because it's all about relationship, and that's what it is. Even in therapy, it's a relationship. True. Matter of fact, they said it's usually the most intimate relationship that is non-sexual that you'll ever have. That'd be the best. Because you tell things to your therapist. I hear shit every day that people can't, but they have to have that trust. So I know we gotta wrap up and things like that, but again, if you need to holler at me, um, I'm on Facebook, h.scottgordon at facebook.com. You know, inbox me if you want to talk and have, you know, different conversations because that's all we have to have. You got to get and your IG. We, gotta we get have your IG. to. Everybody, everybody over 30 got yeah, Facebook. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm a whole old head. But I, 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 I really fuck with this generation. I think y'all are, 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 are the new things. You know what I'm saying? We got to get out to vote. We got to do yeah. all of the things that we need to do to empower ourselves. And we got to know me? what we voting for. Like. Yeah. And what branches really help our current communities that we're in. I think a lot of times, like presidency, we really don't see the actions. Local that, voting. Yeah. yeah local local voting. My I, son is hard on that. Yeah. My wife is hard on it. Gets me up. We're going to the poll. I don't even know who the aldermen are. Yeah. Yo, but that, that's what it is. I think it's really prevalent because, you know what I'm saying, I think our generation is the generation that can create change. And that's why one of my brands is the change creators. You know what I mean? And as we look at that, if you look into... We have access to so much information, Too and much. it's like whatever you want to know, you can't make an excuse not to know about it because you can literally pull your phone out. Hey Siri, yeah, tell me mm -hmm. so, so, You know what I'm saying? We are, we are so, in the information age, instant. Yeah. Yep. Looking for pop music. See? Sorry, right there. <laughs> tell yeah. me, I was just playing. Tell me if Duke beat Florida <laughs> State. No, they didn't. But you know, I want to stay from an old head. I'm proud of you brothers, man. I'm proud of everybody in here because y'all are putting into action what a lot of people talk about. You know, we right. talk about making the change. Yeah, we, we talk about, about this that. and then we put it You in. know what I'm saying? But y'all putting the action, y'all putting the time, y'all have all these brothers here who we got so many immensely talented people in our community and we got to bring them together. That's one good thing about my, my son is like I told him, he's that conduit that can connect True. so many different entities together Definitely. because Definitely. he has that smooth personality and things like that. And I see that y'all have, you know what I'm saying? Because I've been out to feeding the homeless and all the events that y'all do because I support him a thousand percent but the thing about it is that I've always wanted him to take it to another level true I've ascended to a level I want him and my legacy my other children to take it let me ask you why I got you here like I talk to people about ascending and and how you progress mm -hmm. through the levels of things that you do through life is it mm -hmm. something that you look at yearly do you look at it monthly or do you look at it daily because uh, it's a progression because a lot of people get confused on like damn am I moving up because I've stayed because even me, like, I'm stable in my career. I've done it for a long time. Mm -hmm. I've done it at a high level. I've done it 
in most places that I couldn't have done it. I've traveled and did all of that, but am I progressing or do I need to like? Well, to answer your question real quick, because I know the dude was doing the one. Oh yeah, <laughs> one you know, he's gonna get him. But he's rapping, but to think about it, it's all of that. I always tell my people that I mentor or that I counsel is that set a 10 year goal, set a five year goal, set a one year That's goal. That's what I was gonna say. And it, it goes and reach those and make them a smart goal. Mm -hmm. They have to be realistic. Right, right. They right. have to be smart. They have to be attainable. They have to be achievable. But allow yourself, because you're going to fail. We learn more through failures than we do successes. Right. Gotcha. But understand that. But whatever you do, reach that goal, man. You know, or one set of the, that goal. Set that goal. One of the growing up in New York, I know. Uh, shout out to New York. Frankie C Crocker once said, and he used to close the show. Always reach for the moon, and if you miss, you'll be amongst the stars. I think the biggest thing, like I said, when you think about progression, is setting goals and also setting plans of action and how you execute those goals. And that's the biggest thing is to understand where you are and then also uh, hold yourself accountable for what you want to become and where you see your growth and your potential to lie. So unless you don't set those goals, then you just become stagnant. Now you're like, all right, now you don't have a, a measure of success. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Now you're just in the moment. So I feel like you got to say, okay, I want to, what's next for me? Or how do I progress? Like I had to figure out what do I want more with the SMART Foundation? What's the next step? It's to provide programming, to get into more schools. And so now I'm you know, speaking at more schools, I'm getting more kids that want me to mentor them. So I think you have to set goals in a time frame where you can see that they can become um, accessible to you. And so with that being said, we're gonna wrap up episode five of Convos Create Change. It was a great conversation. I am so delighted to have my father on the panel. He's probably gonna become a regular around this motherfucker. You, you know what I'm saying? Need and that. just and as we go through different situations, especially with grief, especially with any therapeutic, any counseling that we need, I'm gonna bring in. You know, y'all hear me speak a lot of wisdom, but that's where I get it from. So I'm glad that he was able to open up and speak to y'all directly. Easy gonna always be by my yeah, side. Forever. PT might pop up next time. Yeah. You never know. Um, but again, thank you for joining in to another episode of Convos Create Change. You can follow us on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We got, we got listeners in Brazil. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brazil. We get international. So we went from Canada last time where you had our biggest fans. We also got some international love from okay. Brazil last <laughs> I know, episode. I know who it is in Brazil. Okay. I finally, I finally found my father. Dad, I'm telling you, I've been working for a long time. <laughs> right I told you this when I was 11 <laughs> years old. Quickly, before we go, appreciate Easy, Smart. Even though I didn't name him that, but, smart, <laughs> you know. but the thing about it is, like I tell people, find what you love and do that, and you'll never work a day in your life. So with that, we sign off episode five, Combo Straight Change. Thank you for being a part of it. Appreciate y'all for having me. Love. <laughs>